This inspiring message comes to you from Impact Church in Kingston, Ontario, where we are committed to living like Jesus and loving like Jesus. It is our prayer that this message blesses and enriches your life. How many have ever seen a $3 bill? Nobody? No? No, neither have I. Um, it's interesting that one of the things that I've learned in my life is that the enemy will never, ever, ever counterfeit something that is not real. He counterfeits what's real. So he'll counterfeit a five. I remember my brother, my older brother worked at, uh, back in the day before it became TD, Canada Trust. He worked at Canada Trust for a number of years and ended up working downtown Toronto uh, at the head office or the, kind of the, yeah, the main place downtown. And he used to tell me these stories about all these counterfeit bills and things that would come in and how they would be trained literally to understand what the counterfeit was versus what was the real. And, and I know you've heard this story from me before, but if you're new here, you maybe have never heard this. But they actually train tellers not to look for what the counterfeit is, but to actually know what the real is so that they can recognize when it's not real. So that they would know what is real beyond a shadow of a doubt. So the moment they see something that's a counterfeit, they can sniff it out a mile away. And so what I want to say to you this morning before I jump into this message today is the enemy will always counterfeit something that God longs to do. Because he wants to get us distracted from the real. And so I'm actually going to talk about prophetic ministry today in anticipation of our weekend with Charlie two weeks from now. So what I want to do is I want to prepare you guys uh, to, to not only receive from God that weekend, like any other weekend, um, but to actually be able to discern what is of God and what is not of God for your life, for the rest of your life. Okay? Part of the role as a pastor or a shepherd is to help train and equip people to be able to discern what is of God, what is of you, and what is of the enemy. How many know that what is of God versus what of the de- is, is of the devil is fairly easy to figure out? It's what is of God and what is of you that is sometimes a little bit more difficult to figure out. So I'm, gonna, I'm literally going to just dive into this thought um, about discerning prophecy. And for those that are brand new to church, you've never heard anything about prophecy before, I want to prove to you very quickly why this gift is so important. How many have ever heard of uh, psychics? Tarot cards? I, the list is on and on and on and on. Why are they there? Because they're counterfeiting the real. They're there because they want, the enemy wants to counterfeit the gift of the prophetic. But when the prophetic is functioning, when prophetic ministry is functioning in a healthy way, it is so incredibly encouraging and it is so uplifting. It, is so, uh, it just builds you up. I don't live my life by prophetic words, but they have been words that I have received over the last 25, 30 years that have absolutely changed the course and direction of my life. And not necessarily because I wasn't thinking something before that, but it literally was like a catalyst. It propelled me into some big choices in my life. So I want to just start with a couple of basic questions just to set us up for where I'm going. But the first question I guess that I would ask, and I'm sure that you guys would be asking is what is God's heart towards prophetic ministry? Okay, before I answer this question, how many have ever gotten misguided because of someone who prophesied? 
right? I think we all have. How many have ever been blessed by someone who prophesied over you? Right, okay. So I want you to know that blessing can come, discouragement can come. So I want you to understand that before I say what, what is God's heart about this whole thing. So God's heart is very simple. God delights in speaking to His children. He delights in it. He longs to be able to communicate with you His heart for you and for your future. That's His heart. Therefore, He loves any possible means to get His heart through to you. How many know that we have the Word of God and that's the most amazing expression of His heart toward us, right? So let's not take away from that. The Word of God is the most important. But God uses spiritual gifts, one of them in particular being prophetic ministry, to bless us. God delights in declaring hope and future over His children. That's His heart. So I guess the second question is, what is impact's heart towards prophetic ministry? This one is always a, a challenging one, pastorally, because pastorally, prophetic ministry is hard to pastor. Can I be honest this morning? We good? You're not throwing anything at me? How many know that when you feel like you have a word from God, but other people aren't agreeing with it, it's not easy to pastor? Right. All right. I'm going to help us discern that. But I'm going to tell you what our heart is towards prophetic ministry. Number one, we love it. We believe in it. We believe in prophetic worship. We believe in setting a prophetic atmosphere. For those who have never heard those terminologies, think about it like this. We believe that when God walks into any room, He can change your life. So what we want to do is create an atmosphere where He feels welcome. That's it in its simplicity. How many know that if Queen Elizabeth walked in the room right now, there would be a certain posture of our hearts and response of our lives to welcome Her Highness into this place? How much more God's presence So that's what a prophetic atmosphere is. A prophetic atmosphere is saying, God, you are welcome here. And you can speak in whatever way you want to in order to get your heart across to your children because you delight in your children. Does that make sense? All right. So because we are for the prophetic ministry, because God is for prophetic ministry, there are certain things that we have historically over the last 11 years done to make sure that it is as healthy as we can possibly get it. So I'm just going to list off a couple of things. And if you're newer to the church, hopefully this will encourage you and feel safe. Because that's the goal. I want you to feel safe. Number one, it will be intentionally taught and it's going to be biblically sound. Because there's too many charismatic movements out there that live in the fringes of prophetic ministry and there's too many people getting hurt. And it breaks my heart, to be honest with you. Number two, we believe in following up with the prophetic. So if you have a word over you, you're probably going to hear a comment or a text or an email from one of us saying, hey, if you want to you know, uh, kind of follow up and follow through on that particular prophetic word and you want some guidance or counsel with that, we're game. Now, does everyone do that? No. Some people say, hey, no, we're good, pastor. It's awesome. And we're like, no problem. Awesome. But we always offer it because we believe in pastoring the prophetic. 
Number three, we believe it's for the purpose of edifying, which is to build up encouragement and comfort. How many would be scared out of their mind if you were called up in front of the church and then they read your mail of every sin you've ever done in your life? Aren't you glad we're not in the Old Testament? Because that's what happened in the Old Testament. And I'm grateful we're not in the Old. We're in the season of grace where God sees the potential of your life. Doesn't, he doesn't prophesy history. He prophesies destiny. Sometimes He reminds you of history, but ultimately it's with the heart for destiny. It will have Prophetic ministry is going to have clear boundaries in this church. That means we're going to set some very healthy boundaries for what that looks like and who could be ministering to you, including who would pray for you up at the altar. Okay? Just so you know. When we have guest speakers coming in, we're going to have proven prophetic ministries that have a heart of a pastor who loves people. That's why Charlie comes. That's why Gary and Sheila come. That is why they come. Because we believe in it being done right. And it will be done decently, with integrity, and in love. And everyone said, Amen. Okay. Um, We believe all of this, and we want to put safeguards into this house very simply for one reason only. Because we believe that when God in its purity speaks to you a word, Isaiah 54 of verse 4 says, a word in season to those who are weary. We believe that that word has the ability to transform your life. That's why we believe it. So, very quickly. Oh, I do have, good, I have that behind me now. Good, awesome. Um, What is prophecy? I'm going to define it and then I'm going to jump in. Prophecy is a declaration of a message from God not known by natural means but by divine revelation. One of the most encouraging moments that Sandra and I have ever had in our lives where a complete stranger picks us out of a crowd and prophesies over us and reads our mail like, how in the world would you know that? I want to tell you a story. Not a lot of people know this story, and it was one of the coolest moments in my entire life when it comes to uh, prophecy. I had flown over. I had, Sandra and I had met. We started dating, and then she decided to fly back to Sweden and left me here in Canada, lonesome, crying, and, and, and wallowing in self-pity. And, um, and so eventually, I flew over because I wanted to meet her family because I knew that if she said yes, this was going to be an awesome time because she's awesome and Lord brought me an amazing person. And so I flew over to Sweden, visiting her family. And one day, we decided to take a trip to see the rest of her family that was in Finland. We go over, see her aunts and uncles, her cousins. It was awesome. Got a chance to get to know everyone. Thankfully, some of them spoke English. And then there was ones that spoke English but faked it like they didn't know anything that was going on. Until I started dropping the most ridiculous statements in the middle of the conversation to see if I could get them to smile. And every time they'd be like, oh. I was like, yeah, you know English. I got you. I caught you all. But there was this one day where we found out from her cousin that there was this youth uh, retreat going on at this youth center. And I come, and the whole thing was in Finnish. And I don't know if you ever heard Finnish, but it's unique. It's very unique. And I'm sitting there in this room, and no one knows that I don't know anything that's going on. I'm just sitting there with a smile on my face going, yay, you know. Yeah, that's awesome, good, that's good. And then the guy who's speaking looks at me in the middle of his message and in perfect English and says, the Lord wants to tell you something this morning. 
And I was like, Yes, Lord. Whatever you got to say, Lord. And in my mind, in that moment, I was like, prophesy that she's my wife. Prophesy that she is my wife. Lord, and then I'll know that you really, really love me. And you know what he did? He prophesied over 15 minutes every major moment in my life since the time I was 13. And basically declared pastoring in my future, but the way he described it, no one would have ever known those phrases. Those were phrases that I had written in my journal book from 10 years previous. You would not have known those. There's no way. And he spoke it in perfect English and then went right back to speaking Finnish. And I was like, what in the world? So I want you to understand, we believe that a word from God can transform your life. So this is why we're so open to it. Amen. Okay, let's just jump into this whole thing today. And the theme of today is going to be how we discern the prophetic, how we discern if it's of God, some of the things that we need to do to know that it is of God and not of anyone else. All right. The first thing I want to share with you is very basic. Prophecy reveals. Amos 3.7 says, Indeed, the sovereign Lord never does anything until he reveals his plans to his servants, the prophet. What does he reveal? Well, he reveals your heart. He reveals God's heart for you. And he reveals so many other things that are going on in your life. It's, I always call it like this. He's the revealer of perspective. Because oftentimes when the word of the Lord comes, he actually gives us God's perspective on the situation that you're currently going through. And it's usually not a perspective that we currently have, which is why the word comes. The second thing is this. Prophecy renews. 1 Corinthians 14.3, it says, but one who prophesies strengthens others. I love that. Strengthens others. Encourages them and comforts them. God renews you. He renews you. He builds you up. He strengthens you. That's its heart of the prophetic ministry. Third thought is this. Prophecy requires something of you. 1 John 4.11 says, my loved ones, I warn you, do not trust every spirit. Instead, examine them carefully to determine if they come from God because the corrupt world is filled with the voices of many false prophets. So in other words, prophecy requires us to discern it, to test it, to evaluate it. Some people, depending on certain backgrounds, the moment you test the prophetic word, those churches will look at you and say, well, you're just questioning the Holy Spirit. And my response is, no, I am verifying whether this is the voice of God or not, and I desperately want to know if it is Him or not. People that want to put pressure on you to say, don't question anything, those people are coming from the wrong source. I'm not saying they're coming from the enemy, but they're probably very much coming from their own heart. So you have to be careful with that. All right, we want to examine it, to test it, to challenge it. So, I want to just jump on one little passage of Scripture to help kind of flesh this whole testing, discerning, and examining phase out. It's 1 Thessalonians 5, 19-24, and it is loaded. In these five verses, it is loaded with goodies on how to discern the prophetic word. So, I'm going to start at verse 19, and it says this. Amazing how we start with the process of discerning the prophetic by the first statement, which is, do not quench the Holy Spirit. 
Why is this important? Because people that have been wounded by prophetic ministries automatically shut down their, their heart to the Holy Spirit because they don't want to get hurt. But what we actually do is we start to quench the work of God in your life. And so what he's saying is step one, be open to what the Holy Spirit wants to do. Just be open. Don't quench Him. Okay, the word quench literally means to extinguish, to put out like a fire, to suppress or to stifle. One of the things that I've realized in my life is I just come up and I wake up in the morning and go, God, whatever you want to do. God, whatever you want to say. I don't put a lid on it. I don't limit him. I don't want to, I don't want to uh, operate out of fear, but I want to operate from a place of faith. Total side note has nothing to do with this message, but it just hit me now, so I feel like I share it. One of the things that we are learning as parents is we never, ever, ever want to operate in our parenting style out of the fear of something, but out of the faith of something. Because fear cripples. Fear paralyzes. But it's the same thing with the prophetic ministry and with the things of the Holy Spirit. The moment fear sets in, we start to stifle the very thing that God wants to do or bring into your life. Verse 20. Do not despise prophecy. So he's literally saying, well, how do we quench the Spirit of God? By despising prophecy. He's actually quantifying it for us and clarifying it for us. And to despise it literally means to reject it or to disown it or to, um, to literally have nothing to do with it. Okay? Why is this important? Because the prophetic word, if given in the right way in the right context is a means in which God longs to speak to His children. That's the heart of God. I love the amplified version of this verse. In verse 20, it says, Do not spurn the gifts and utterances of the prophets. And I love this. Do not depreciate prophetic revelation, nor despise inspired instruction or exhortation or warning. Don't depreciate it. In other words, don't devalue it. Don't give it a value that is less than what God gives it. Verse 21, how do we do that? Test all things. Test all things. Hold fast or hold on to what is good. The amplified version of this says it like this, but test and prove all things until you can recognize what is good and to that hold fast. Can I give you permission to do something? If you get a prophetic word, don't run the next day and try to do all of it. God is so much bigger than that. I don't think he's going to take it personally. If you go to him, God, you know, that was awesome. Can you, uh, because I'm your favorite, Lord, can you confirm that two or three thousand times? Hundred, I mean, two or three times, Lord. I don't think he's shocked by that. I actually think it's a very godly thing that we look for confirmation of the word of the Lord over our lives. Because if it is life transforming, if it can potentially change the direction or focus of our lives, I would want to know, wouldn't you? So it's okay. It's not a lack of faith to ask God, God, can you confirm that? It's like little Abby, Daddy, just tell me that you love me. I love you, Abby. Tell me again, I love you. I don't think it's wrong that we have to hear from God that he loves us over and over and over again. Okay, you know, we're good? All right. That word test literally means to examine, to prove, or to scrutinize, to see, something, to see whether something is genuine or not. 
okay? And this phrase in the Amplified, until you can recognize, speaks of that time. Time is good, okay? Um, Why is this incredibly important to test the prophetic and to test it over time and to look for confirmation? I want to share an analogy that I actually shared with the interns about a month ago. And I shared it in a different context, but I I think I can tie it into this particular context. Um, How many, when you were really, really, really small, used to kind of look at things that you, you love to one day picture yourself kind of fitting into or wearing. And so I had two things I remember very distinctly. I remember my grandfather, my Grandpa D, Grandpa Davidson's big, giant, green, dark green coat that he used to wear when he was working, and he used to wear outside, and it was so big and so thick, and I tried to fit into it many times, and I couldn't. But the second thing was my dad's shoes. Any shoe, just pick a shoe, his his uh, school shoes, his running shoes, it didn't matter. Because my dad has size 13, 13 and a half shoes. And when you're five years of age, they are mesmerizing because you can fit your whole body into them. <laughs> but every once in a while, you have this thought that, you know, I'm going to try to figure out how to walk in my, my dad's shoes. And so you stick your tiny little feet in there. And you get a couple, you know, a couple steps in, and of course they're too big, and you trip over them, and you're down on the floor quicker than you can say your own name. But then you get back up and you try again, because that's what you're supposed to do, right? But here's what happens prophetically to people, and I want to share this with as much grace and love as I can possibly do, but I want you to see how sometimes the prophetic ministry can actually get you off if you do not discern it over time in the context of repeated confirmations of the things of God. Okay. How many have ever been told that you can't do something? That don't even think about dreaming about that because you won't ever do it? Okay. How many have ever said that to yourself? Okay, we're good. Okay, we're all human here. That's good. So what happens is, Many people live in this realm where when people consistently, whether it's your own voice or whether it's the voice of others, make you feel like you cannot do something, it's like they are putting on too small of a shoes for you. And so I'm a size 10, and it's like someone's trying to force my feet into a size 7. But how many know when you're trying to fit into something that is not you, and it's too small for you, in other words, you have a greater capacity, it actually harms your feet. It creates calluses, and sometimes it breaks your toes, as a friend of ours would know. And there's a whole bunch of different things that happen. But the opposite is equally as dangerous in the prophetic, where you get someone prophesying over you, and they go a little too far. And it's like they're delivering size 13 purpose and call into your life. But you're only a size 10. And you try to walk in those size 13 shoes and you keep falling over. And then wondering, why God haven't you done this? God, where have you been? God, you don't love me anymore. And God is saying, you're a size 10. But the prophet said, he was wrong. But God, that's impossible. No, he's human. How many have done your spring cleaning yet? How many just thought I just said the F word? Okay. We good? Okay. Some of you will know. It's like exercise. It is the F word in my my head. You say exercise, I go, oh, it's just bad. Okay. 
It's a bad word. Oh. But I want you to see something. When you go out for the first time in spring and you take your screens off of your windows and you've got to pressure washer them and clean them, which is no fun on so many levels, here's what happens. The water that comes from the hose or the source from heaven is pure, but the moment it goes through a human vessel, the screen, it gets dirty. That's what happens. And what we are doing is we are making lifestyle choices based upon size 13 shoes. When God is saying, you are an awesome size 10 camera, don't ever think beyond that. One of the things that I've got to be completely okay with is if we are a church of 150 to 200 people for the rest of our lives, is that good enough for us? And the answer is absolutely, because we love everyone. It's awesome. Now, if God grows this church and there's a greater capacity on this house to grow, that's amazing too. But am I going to live in a prophetic word for the rest of my life saying, God will grow this church, God will grow this church? Well, I'm not. Why? Because my relationship is not with his promise, but with the one who promised. Okay? Are we good? Okay, cool. Moving right along. Why do we need to know this? Why do we need to test it? Well, 1 Corinthians 13 verse 9 proves that this is a big thing that we have to do. We have to test it because it is not a perfect gift. It says in the Amplified, it says, For our knowledge is fragmentary, incomplete, and imperfect. And our prophecy is fragmentary, incomplete, and imperfect. So I'm going to tell you what some churches do. Some churches will hear that verse and go, we are going to shut down the working of the Spirit of God just in case someone gets hurt. But what we don't realize is we're actually harming people far more because then we are limiting God and how He can speak to us. Then some churches go the complete opposite way and they're just a free-for-all with whatever's going on and anyone can prophesy, pray, and do whatever, blah, 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 blah. And I go, we should probably check the source of who is praying. They say, well, are you judging them? Yes! So that's not biblical. Yes, it is, actually. But the word means to discern. How many are grateful that when you go and you see that wonderful package of avocados on sale for $2.38 that is huge, and you think, what a great deal. They don't tell you what's in the middle. They're all brown. I don't know about you. I love avocados, but <laughs> there's nothing worse than a brown avocado. It is like as close to the leaves losing in my capacity as you can possibly get. It's close. Okay. Bruce Yoakum said this. He said, prophecy can be impure. Our own thoughts or ideas can get mixed into the message we receive, whether we receive the words directly or only receive a sense of the message. Why then is the concept of prophecy and confirming prophecies over time important? Because over time, you will see the root of the word of the Lord over your life and not live in the fruit on the end of the tree. You want to be rooted to the main thought that God is trying to get across to you. Because how many know fruit falls off? Roots don't go anywhere. They're foundational. They are built in. All right. So there's three sources of prophecy. Very quickly, I want you guys to grab your phones, take a picture of that, because I'm not going to read any of those verses, if you want. So three situations or three sources of prophecy. The Holy Spirit, the human spirit, the evil spirit. 
Um, all of those are there. If you want my notes, I will send my notes to you, Cameron at impactkingston.com. That's totally cool. Okay? So questions that we have to ask in order to prove that the prophetic word um, is true and its source is true. So question number one. Does the prophetic word line up with the Bible? If it doesn't, throw it out. Does the prophetic word line up with the character of God? If it doesn't, throw it out. How many have ever had someone say to you something that someone you know said? And you hear it and you go, that person would never say that. Even if they had a bad day, that's not what that person would say. Because I know the consistent pattern of that person's life. Right? And so it's the same thing with God. If you're getting a word from the Lord that doesn't sound like God, doesn't reflect it in the Scriptures, and it doesn't reflect it in His character, you just set it aside. He said, is that ignoring the... What happens if it's God? Is that ignoring it? No, that's called being wise. It's good. Three, does the prophetic word come from a proven, trustworthy, and godly person? Okay, I'm going to spend two seconds on this one. If I had a dime for the amount of times that someone wanted to prophesy over me that I've never met in my life, I'd be a bazillionaire ten times over. Now, can God speak to strangers? Absolutely. Does God speak through strangers? Absolutely. But I'm going to tell you some of the questions that I ask those people the moment they want to prophesy over me. The first question out of my, out of my mouth for those people is this. Who's your pastor? Well, I just serve Jesus. Okay, I'm not interested. Which church do you go to? I don't go to... Okay, I'm not interested. And I'll tell you why. Because the, the ability or the greater potential for that to be of the human spirit increases the more that those people are not in healthy accountable relationships that does not mean the gift isn't genuine but it means the heart or the source of the gift may be off i'm of the opinion that you know god speaks very clearly through my wife so i don't necessarily need anything else you know what i'm saying that's right when i need to hear from god it sounds a lot like her voice i don't know it just is it's awesome okay number four get this was the spirit, attitude, or manner in which the prophetic word was delivered Christ-like? If it isn't, I give you permission. Throw it aside. Five, does the prophetic word bear witness with your spirit? In other words, do you have a sense of peace? If you come out of it and for the next 48 hours you're more confused than before you met the person, I would argue that is not of God. Throw it aside. Are we good? Number six. Does it encourage you to get closer to your call or to the giver of your call? Okay? And sometimes the word from these people are actually genuine, but we aren't mature enough to respond properly. So you have to determine that too. Seven, is the prophetic word being confirmed in other godly people or prophets? And I'm going to start with a group that right away I'm going to get lots of checks in the mail after. Are you ready for this? What are your parents saying? If they're godly people, what are your pastors or godly leaders saying? What are your spiritually mature and wise friends saying? If the consensus amongst all those people is, no, please don't track forward with that idea. Please, 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 please. Okay? Verse 22, coming back to 1 Thessalonians. Abstain from every form of evil. 
So again, just to remember kind of where this went, it said, test all things, hold fast what is good. Verse 22, abstain from every form of evil. Evil in the original language, the Greek language here, literally means to be hurtful in influence, to manipulate in influence, to lack virtue in character, and here's where it really got me, to be blind. Why in the world do they tie in blindness with evil? Because false prophets are blind, leading the blind. So we have to be careful who we track with. All right. So this is the one thing that I always say. God can give you a prophetic word, and maybe there's a word or a phrase that jumps out from that word that just really excites you and really gets you pumped. But what I want you to do is to be more excited about the source of the word than the actual little phrase in the word. Because if we get excited about the source and we know it's God, then we're going to serve God more wholeheartedly, not the message from God. Now, it's good. All right, verse 23. Most of us stop at verse 22 and don't think 23 and 24 are connected, but it's perfectly connected. For those that are maybe new to church and new to the Bible, the Bible was never written in in chapters and verses. It was just written as one big book. So it's a book to the Thessalonian church. So there was no chapters and verses here. So in a sense, it's the same thought. It's the same theme. It says, now may the God of peace himself sanctify, or another word would be cleanse you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at his coming, or at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So in other words, how do we discern it or test it? The ultimate proof is peace. Peace in every area. Soul is your mind, will, and emotions. Can you imagine what you have in your life when you have peace in your mind, peace in your soul, and peace in your emotions? You will know when it's the the Lord when that peace is there. In verse 24, it says, He who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. In other words, the person who's going to bring that to pass is not necessarily you, but it's Jesus. But it's our partnership with Jesus on the journey. Right? It's good. We love it. We love the prophetic ministry. And our goal as pastors and as leaders here at Impact Church is to do a couple of basic things. Number one is to guard you from harmful ministries. That's our goal. Two is to guard the integrity of the prophetic ministry. That's why we will be very stringent with who comes in as guest speakers, but we're also going to be very stringent in the process to having people pray for you. And third is this. We're sensitive to the power of prophetic ministry and the effect that it can have on someone's life, both positive and negative and anything in between. All right? So this is why we do what we do. We teach people how to discern it. Hopefully this has been helpful. But... It is a precious gift from God. And if we believe that God has spoken to us and that there is a word from God for your life, how are we to respond to it? Well, I'm going to show you in the Bible how we're to respond, and then I'm going to end. We're going to have communion together. We're going to pray, and then we're going to go have fun and enjoy the 21 degrees weather today. Thank you, Jesus. It took long enough. All right. 1 Timothy chapter 4 verses 14 to 16, and and for those that are maybe newer to the faith, this is actually one of three books that Paul writes, and he calls them his pastoral epistles. 
And the reason he calls them that is they're three books designed to be guidelines for pastors and how they, how they pastor a church. So it's almost like the Old Testament, or the, uh, the 2,000-year-old manual for how to pastor. Okay, so verse 14 down to 16. When God has spoken to us, what do we do? It says, do not neglect the gift that is in you which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of hands of the eldership. Verse 15, meditate on these things. Think about it. Process it through. Think about, God, what are you saying to me? What's, what's required of me? What do I need to do about this particular word? And it goes very next phrase, uh, next phrase. It says, give yourself entirely to them, that your progress may be evident to all. Verse 16, take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. In other words, make sure it's scriptural, make sure it's rooted in the word, and continue in them. For in doing this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. When I was 15 years of age, I had the first ever time where somebody prophesied pastoring over me. I was actually at youth camp at Coburg, uh, Lakeshore Pentecostal Camp, and I was up for prayer. I was responding to prayer, and this one of the, the main speakers, actually, he wasn't speaking that night, but the, one of the morning speakers came over to me and prayed over me, and he started to weep. And I don't know what happened, but the moment he starts to weep, I start to weep. And I'm like, what's going on? I'm not sad. I don't think I'm sad. No, I'm not sad. But I was overwhelmed by the presence of God. And this guy begins to say, God is putting in you a heart like David that bleeds for sheep. You'll be a father to many. And I'm like, you know, and you're hearing all this stuff going, oh, that's great. And I'm 15. So as a 15-year-old, you're like, yeah, whatever. (laughs) Yeah, whatever, Lord. Okay, that's awesome. And and I'm kind of like, whatever. And then the next moment, I'm bawling my eyes out. And then I'm whatever. And then I'm bawling my eyes out. And I'm like, really? This could, I wonder if that, (laughs) I wonder if that would happen. That'd be so cool. (gasps) And then I'm thinking, as a 15-year-old, and then I can be on the front page of Charisma Magazine. Ray. At, at 16, because of leading thousands of people to Christ and starting 53,000 churches in 72 different nations across the world. Of course, no one's ever thought that. But I did. Because I was immature. <laughs> really immature. And sometimes nothing's changed. Anyhow. But then the next word came. And the next word came. And the next word came. And the next word. And then it started getting so ridiculous that when Sandra and I met every single guest speaker for seven straight years, call us out in the middle of either a message or something and go, I just see you, Pastor and God's people. I see you're like a father to many and you're like blah, blah, blah. And it was the same things over and over and over again. And then it got to a point where I was getting mad. Because I put my eye on the destination rather than the journey. And you know what I've realized in my life? I didn't need a prophetic word to pastor. All I needed to do was everywhere I went, shepherd people. And the gift of God will make room for you. So if God is putting something on your heart, respond to it. Some people are like, well, I feel like God wants me to pray for people. 
then go for it. You know, don't wait for an altar ministry call to go pray for someone in Walmart that God is starting to say to you while you're in seventh line, 59 people back. It says, pray for the person in front of you. And you're like, oh, you're right. Because it's in obedience to that moment that will pave the way for the ultimate destination of God. People come to me and said, well, you know, what did you do when you knew that you were going to pastor people? What was the call? Like, what did you do next? And they look at me and they went, no, really, I want to know. Did you go, like, start telling your pastor you need a pastor now? He went, nope. What'd you do? I did puppets. I started to speak through my hands. Because you have to understand something. This word pastor, speaking, declaring, came on a 15-year-old kid that was throwing up in the bathroom because he could not do a five-minute presentation in front of a school class. That was that kid. So guess where I started? I started with puppets because I could actually let my whatever personality was locked up in there come out through a puppet. And I still talk with my hands today. I can't help myself. But you have to understand, give yourself to the thing that God is putting on your heart and go for it. Don't wait for a supernatural opportunity. Just do what you know to do and keep doing it because God will make room. Amen? Hopefully that's encouraging. Um, I'm going to go back to one thought, and I want to put this up on the screen. It's, um, and then, honey, if you want to come, and those that are serving communion, if you guys can come up and help. Um, Margaret, it's the one that says uh, August 30th, 2015, uh, the Prophecy 101 message. It's like one of like the seventh or eighth slide. There is a message that I did four years ago on August 30th, 2015, called Prophecy 101. What I want to encourage you to do is to go back and listen to that one because that's actually the nuts and bolts of it. Oh, yeah, there. There we go. Thank you. Um, that's actually the nuts and bolts of prophetic teaching. And so I want you to listen to that so that you can be prepared for the first weekend of June. We good? Awesome. Thank you for taking the time to listen to one of our messages from Impact Church. We hope and trust that this message encouraged you. If you want to find out more information about our church, check us out online at www.impactkingston.com.